Welcome to the Plant Witch Podcast, where we enter together into the web of life in all of its many seen and unseen dimensions. I'm Erin Schrader, owner of the Rebel Herbalist, and it is my honor to hold this portal to the other world. Let's enter, shall we? This week, I am joined by Calix Lytic. Calix is a bioregional clinical herbalist, a nutritionist, and she was born and raised here in the mountains of central Pennsylvania. She's the founding director of the Northern Appalachia School. Her mission is to help people remember that they are one with the land, an integral part of the ecological web and to rekindle ancestral ways of moving with grace within that system. She's an advocate for ethical practice, for accessible education, for health care, and for food sovereignty. Calix, thank you so much for coming on this podcast episode with me today. Um, it's such a pleasure to be here with you. Yeah, thank you so much for inviting me. I'm excited to talk about stuff today. Yes. Calix and I have been journeying with the plants together for a while now. Calix was my teacher at the um, Northern Appalachian School of Vitalist Herbalism and Ecology. And um, we continue to move through the world kind of in parallel ways um, as we work with the plants. And these past few weeks, you know, I've really been in deep um, relationship with what it means to be human and connected to the plant world and the world of the animals and the waters and the, and the mountains. And um, Calix really spends a lot of time thinking about these sorts of things in the same way that I've been grappling with it. And so I invited her on this week to um, take this conversation deeper uh, and and open it wider too. So um, thank you for being willing to deepen and widen this conversation with, with all of us here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Do you want to t- just start off with um, when was the first time you realized you were in relationship with a non-human being? Maybe was it an animal? Was it a plant? Um, how did that occur to you? Um, oh my gosh, there's so many different examples that go back from the very beginning of my childhood that I could talk about. Um, I mean, I grew up in the mountains of central Pennsylvania, so I spent a lot of time um, we, our property, um, backed up to thousands of acres of privately owned land. Um, and so I had a lot of time to explore the forest and, um, get to know all of the different beings that were there. And I think that, you know, when I went to herb school and I learned botany and I learned, was kind of taught how to have relationship for me, it was more of a remembering. And I think that's the case for a lot of people. Um, so just remembering, like, you know, I, I have memories of sitting down and, you know, playing with rocks and like animating them, you know, and uh, lots of experiences with plants. Um, I think one of the reasons why, one of the plants that's one of my most profound allies right now is poke, um, phytolaca. And I think one of the reasons for that is because it was all over our property growing up and I was always playing with it, always hanging out with it, um, you know, making, uh, you know, painting with its berries and things like that. I can't re- recall like a specific moment in time when, when that first happened. Cause I feel like it's just been part of my life and I'm just starting to reflect on it more as I get older and understand what that relationship means and also understanding maybe where I sometimes I've gone wrong in those relationships. Mm-hmm. And I think that's been a really important part of my journey as well. Um, 
So yeah, yeah, it's been, it's been, I feel like I kind of came out of the womb and <laughs> plants were, you know, plants and animals. I mean, I, my, my, the beginning of my life was very much focused on animals. I rode horses for 15 years and that was um, the kind of the focus of my life for a while. Um, but the, you know, it, it's, it all kind of meshes together now. So, yeah. Yeah. So it's just kind of who you are. You're just, that's always been the way you've seen the world as relational. Yeah, I think so. And I think it's just been finding the the language now of like how to talk about that. There's so many things that we experience as children or as young adults or as, you know, um, you know, throughout our life that, um, we get busy with our lives and we either forget about, or we just don't have the language to talk about it with other people. And so it's like, I, I'm really excited about the fact that I feel like more people are, are focusing on finding the language and, and ways to talk about these, these kind of intangible things. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And, and one part of um, what you were just talking about, you said, there are times when I feel like I went wrong in those relationships um, with the plants. Can you say more about maybe an example of that or what that struggle is like for you? Yeah. So, um, you know, I think especially as an herbalist, this is something that I run into a lot. We, it's easy to get caught up in this, the um, consumerist, you know, extraction mindset, right? So one of the things that I've realized over the years, you know, I, I've, I had kind of a focus for several years about like, well, I need to learn about plants and, and learn how to, at the time I didn't have the, the terminology to say, you know, be in relationship with them, but that's what I was seeking. Um, but it was more from like a, I want to be able to use the plants. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily like trying to remember that relationship and have that relationship. It was more of like, I need to study these things as a separate entity, um, like a, like objectifying them and studying them that way. Um, and so it's taken me years to, um, I feel like this is something that my herb teachers were trying to explain to me at the time, but it's just one of those things where everyone has to, you can teach somebody something, but they come into it in their own time. Um, in the most organic way possible. So yeah, so I, I, like ev everybody is in relationship with plants all the time. Everyone has ethnobotanical relationships. Um, we are constantly, you know, relating with plants and interacting with plants directly and indirectly. We all eat food. We all have clothing, you know, that's made out of cotton fibers and different things like that. We are in houses that have wood and all kinds of different materials that come from plants. Um, you know, we're just surrounded by it all the time. And so for me, what's important to me is figuring out like, what are my relationships with these plants? Like how, how am I interacting with them? And are they healthy relationships or are they unhealthy relationships? And early in my herbalism career, I had several unhealthy relationships with plants because I was, I was purchasing them from places where I, maybe I didn't know where they were coming from, or I didn't understand who they were or, or the, the impact of my, my purchasing them and having them shipped to me and using them. Um, and I was just focused on their, their ability to do things, you know, like the, the, how, how can I use them and apply them? Um, um, so, yeah, so it's, it's about building those relationships in a way that, um, that we're not being extractive, but also that, um, when we do need to use something, because there's, there's going to be times when we do need to forage or we do need to purchase something um, and bring it into our, into our being and bring it into our practice or whatever, um, that we are understanding how we're interacting in that relationship. Um, you know, are we, and, and the only way to do that is to really get to know the plant on a really deep level, right? And so that's where that relationship piece comes in. Um, if we just under things, understand things on the surface level, and we don't understand like how plants are interacting with their ecologies and with their, the people that live around them and um, in the market as a whole, if we don't understand those things, then it's really hard to make responsible decisions. Mm -hmm. um, and that's something that takes time, um, but it's something that I, I feel like I really tried to rush because I was just so excited to be doing this and wanted to learn all the plants. And um, over time, what I've realized is that it's less important to know all of the plants and it's more important to know a few as really, really close allies. 
Um, so it's been, it's a, it's a long journey and I feel like it's going to be something that will keep revealing itself to me over time. Um, and, and just every time you think you go as deep as it's going to go with plants, it, it always goes one step deeper. Mm-hmm. So, yes. Yeah. And in your relationship building, and as you get to know these plants more deeply, what is your sense of the plant's eagerness to be in relationship with humans? Is that something you feel that they desire? And, and how do we honor what the, whatever their limits are? And what are, what are the limits to those relationships in your experience? Yeah, so I, I definitely have a sense of that there are plants that, um, I feel like every herbalist that I've talked to has, has had this experience where there's plants that just kind of jump out at you and they jump out always at the right moment, even if you realize it or not. Um, so they do, plants do seem eager to help us. Um, it, I, you can kind of, it's like palpable. You can feel that um, if you're paying attention, I feel like it's, it's obvious. Um, but at the same time, yeah, they don't want to be abused, right? So I always think of it like, because um, I, I want people to be in relationship but I don't want people to be in relationship for an end product. Like I'm going to, like you wouldn't make friends with someone so that you can use them or use their car or something. Right. So, you know, having that relationship be from a really authentic place um, and not focusing on um, not focusing on the harvest, but focusing on the actual relationship so that we don't end up where we're being in an abusive relationship with these plants and, and really an extractive relationship. Um, so it's, it can be, it can be tricky sometimes to like, you have to put yourself in a very specific mindset. You know, you, you have to be very aware, self-aware. Um, so yeah, I mean, there there are definitely cases where, I, like, where I I have exited that mindset, where I've you know kind of you know tripped up or um, felt like an overwhelming need for something. Because when when you're dealing with wellness, you're dealing with people that are sick. You're dealing with you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic, <laughs> there's going to be times where you feel like this is life or death. Um, and so just always, I just always examining the need because we don't, we don't want to be taking more than, than, um, than what we need. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I feel like plants are, they're very giving and they're very willing to like give themselves up to us for, for us to use, but they also don't want to be disrespected and they don't want to be, um, abused. Um, not, and I, I feel like with, with plants, it's like, you know, they have a very different sentience than we do in that. Um, it's not about, they don't personally want to be consumed. It's a, it's a, I feel like they are so interconnected with their community, with their surroundings, with the ecology that, that they understand that if you abuse them, then it abuses the whole system. Mm -hmm. Right. So so yeah, I, I definitely, I feel like the more, the more that you work with plants, the more you get a sense for when a plant is kind of jumping out at you and being like, yeah, yeah I'm your medicine, you know, come and use me and learn about me and, um, you know, have this relationship with me. And then, you know, so that's part of it. And then also part of it is learning when the plants are saying no, mm-hmm. you know, or when the plants are saying, I have medicine for you, but it's not in the form of you know, my physical medicine that you're going to harvest. Um, you know, there's, there's plenty of times where I have gone out with the intention to harvest to something and I've come back with an empty basket, but with lots of medicine. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And for anyone who might not catch the nuance in what you're saying there, um, there's this way that plants teach us um, that they guide us and communicate with us. That is not through tea or tincture or incense or, or bringing the plant into our body in any way, but really mm-hmm. just being with that, that plant is medicine. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, we, as Westerners, like we are very focused on knowledge and science, and we're very focused on that aspect of understanding things and, and, um, it's, it's an, it's a valuable way of understanding things, but it's not the only way. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, we, part of, part of forming relationship is getting, is not just obtaining knowledge, but it's knowing and knowing is less of a tangible, um, you know, destination point. 
um, or something that you can you can hold on to and more of like a way of being, right? Mm-hmm. So we can know the plants and be in a process with them um, by, you know, through intuition, through practical experience, like personal experience with that plant and tasting it and putting it into our body, um, but also through observing the plant. One of my favorite things to teach is botany because I feel like I'm introducing people to that plant and introducing them to one of its plants that are very like multilingual. They have lots of different ways of communicating. Um, and one of them is through their, their physical morphology, their appearance, the shapes that they create, the colors they create. Um, they, you know, they can do it through scents. They can do it through, you know, the chemicals they create that you smell. Um, there's lots of ways that you can interact with them and they can communicate with you that is not, um, through book, book learning and through, you know, actually having to consume them. Um, so I do encourage people to, you know, if you feel an invitation to, you know, consume, to work with a plant in that way, that's a really important, valuable way to get to know a plant, but it's not the only way. Um, and it's important to explore all of the different ways of understanding things and knowing things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in your school, you talk about a term, uh, bioregional herbalism. Yes. Would you mind telling the listeners a little bit about what that means to you? What What is bioregional herbalism? Yeah. So in bioregional herbalism, um, the focus is on learning the plants that are in your, your bioregion. So they're, they're the ones that are growing in your backyard. They're the ones that are growing in the nearby woods. Um, your bioregion can be as small as, you know, literally you know, you know, your, your backyard, or you can, you can branch that out to the bioregion, like you were like the mid-Atlantic would be my bioregion. Um, so there's lots of, there's, there's lots of different, you know, microclimates and little mini biomes within the, that, that, um, bioregion that you can explore. Um, but the focus with bioregional herbalism or any kind of bioregionalism is, well, the reason why we're doing it, right. Is because, there's a few different reasons. One is that one thing that if there's anything that we've learned that I've learned from the pandemic, it's that globalism, it kind of has kind of shown the, the downfalls of globalism. Um, you know, the past year, I've heard a lot of people complaining about their Amazon prime orders are, you know, taking a week to arrive instead of arriving the next day. So we've got, we've reached this point in society where we expect everything to be available at our fingertips at all times, no matter where in the world it's coming from. And no matter what that impact is. So it's really, really difficult to know what the impact of something is and have that, that right relationship, that positive ethnobotanical relationship with something if we've never been to the ground that it's growing on. And we don't know what that situation is um, and what's involved in taking it and shipping it across the world. So part of it is that it's the, the sustainability aspect. Um, it is the ethical aspect. Um, so of, of making sure that we are aware that we're able to actually go to the source and figure out, you know, um, what is this plant all about and, and how is you taking it into my practice affecting, um, you know, affecting that, that, that not just the plant itself, but the entire community that surrounds that plant. Mm-hmm. So that's something you're able to do if the plant is growing near you. Um, but it's also, um, it's also about, the fact that we're we're in community with an ecosystem. So like, there's not like nature is over there and I'm something separate, you know, or that, you know, my house is, is not natural and, you know, nature is outside. Um, and that's part of the whole like unhealthy ethnobotanical relationships thing too, is that like, w- like we can take a piece of wood and run it through a factory and bring it into our home and no longer recognize it as nature, um, you know, because it's so far removed from the source. So, so it's okay to have those interactions with things as long as we understand where they're coming from and we're able to, to make sure that that was not a harmful impact. Um, and so, yeah, so, so as far as like being in community with things, it's like we're, we're part of nature. We're not separate from it. Um, we are just one moving piece in that ecological web. Um, and so part of being a steward of the land and a steward of the plants um, involves understanding your place in ecology, in the system. Um, You know, not necessarily trying to exert force over it, but also not separating yourself and saying, you know, I'm gonna just, 
you know, not be involved in that, or I'm not going to, I'm going to be no impact. There's no such thing as no impact, right? We're all going to have an impact, but we can make it a positive one. Um, and we can be responsible for the impact that we do create. So the, I just, I really think that the, the easiest and most efficient way to do that is to stay, you know, within your bioregion, um, which once again, that, that's some people are, are very specific about it's a certain number of miles from my home and other people are more like, you know, as long as it's semi-local to my region, I think there's like, there's like what the hundred mile diet or whatever, um, you know, so there's different, and then that really is going to depend too on what is your bioregion like? You might have a bioregion that has lots of like this area can, it can be relatively small because we have so much diversity and so much green here, but somewhere like out West, um, like in Colorado where I studied, um, you might have to branch out a little bit farther because there's a lot of the plant populations there are smaller and more delicate. And, you know, you might not be able to support that population of herbalists in that area without branching out a little bit further, mm-hmm. but yeah. yeah. I really like what you said about when we focus on our bioregion, that we're actually be more a part of that ecology because we're sort of like claiming our place and that web, that, that local web that we are um, drawing our medicine, our, our resources from the, the place where we are living. It's like a, not only does it make sense in a regenerative mindset, but it makes sense in that we are part of that place. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a really important thing for me as a teacher is to show people where they exist in, in nature, you know, where, where, you know, just kind of be a mirror for them in that way um, so that they can see themselves as part of something. Um, And I, and I feel like the more you can, the more you can understand something the more you can um, communicate with with these parts of nature, um, whether it be plants or whatever, the more you can do that, the more you can understand them and the more you can start to relate to them mm-hmm. and see yourself in them. Um, and so that's that's one of the, 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 as far as herbalism specifically, that's one of the tenets that I like to teach is that we are, we're, we're, we're not necessarily using an herb and it's coming in and um, well, let me rephrase that. So we, we are an ecosystem. And if we are part of the same ecosystem as the plants, right, they're gonna come into our body and they're gonna play a very similar role um, as they would in their own ecosystem. So that is the way that they're interacting with us. And so, um, you know, there's this concept of the doctrine of signatures, right? Where something, a plant will look like, or part of a plant, will look like a part of the body that it treats. And I take that much deeper in this concept of, um, it's the whole it's the whole ecosystem that's surrounding that plant that we're looking at. And the more you study things like botany and, and study ecology and understand how the human body works, the more that kind of falls apart because you can start to see yourself everywhere. You can see your body in every part of nature and vice versa. And so that's something that I'm really passionate about showing people that it's not just an overlap. It literally is, you know, one in the same, you're, you're part of the same system. It makes me think of where we are as a society in the West, that we've really been living out this dream of exile mm-hmm. that we've been cast out of the garden, you know, and here we are pining for a future of eternal life in heaven where everything's restored to wellness and, um, and we're sort of at the extremity of that story. This, we've mm-hmm. taken the exile as far as we can, you know? Yeah. And this idea of seeing our own body everywhere, of seeing nature indwelling in us and ourselves reflected in the landscape, to me feels like the antidote to that yeah. story. It's absolutely, we, we do belong here. This is, we came from here. Paradise is here. Yeah. 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 I think that's a very, um, we are, we're definitely coming to that point where we need to, to be moving in, back in that direction and understanding that mm-hmm. and understanding the, the wholeness of it, but also understanding that we're not more important than anything else that's out there in nature. And that it's just all one big interaction and relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, 
yeah, I feel like it's like it, we, we kind of need to be knocked down a peg or two to understand that. And so that's a big part of working with plants in this way is becoming really humble mm-hmm. and like letting, letting them guide you and not um, letting them kind of lead you where, where you need to go and seeing things. Yeah. There's such a, um, in my experience with plants, there's such a, a loving, compassionate presence, but they're also truth tellers. You know, yes. it's like some plants seem to be more firm about how they communicate truths to me than others, yes. <laughs> but there's, they're so, there is a, a real lovingness in the way that they show me the truth. Have you yeah. found that in your practice also? Absolutely. Yeah. It was funny. I was, I was leading a plant walk the other day and we were talking about, um, we were under a a black walnut tree and somebody was like, what do you, what do you think about this tree? You know, what's, what it's, what's its energy to you. And I was trying to like, I was in my logical brain, right. Cause I'm teaching botany and I'm in my logical brain thinking, where did I, I'm sure I read about this somewhere. You know, I'm sure that somebody has talked about this. And I was like, no, wait a second. Let me just, I've had this experience with this plant. I have a relationship with, with this tree. And I was like, this tree is telling me to get my shit together. I don't know if that's what it tells you, but that's my experience with it. Um, you know, it's got these, these big, um, you know, fruits that are rather heavy and fall from very high up and can sometimes whack you right over the head. And I feel like that's very symbolic. Um, I've had some interesting experiences with black walnut and with lots of plants. I mean, that yeah, it's definitely something that you come across. Um, I've had some plants that have made me feel very uncomfortable in myself and have shown me things that, you know, once again, it's, it's always like just the right time. And they just show you just enough that you're able to kind of digest it and process it and then, and then move forward again. And, and so that's why, like, that's one of the reasons why I encourage people to get to know a handful of plants rather than like hundreds of them, because you're going to keep coming back to that plant over and over again and getting new lessons and new information. Um, but yes, they, they definitely seem, um, it's always like that, that motherly, you know, or sometimes even grandmotherly feeling of, um, you know, but, but sometimes it's stern, you know, um, and it's very different from, from plant to plant. Like one of the right down, um, the street from my house is the, the Mason Dixon terminus, um, at the Appalachian trail like where the Mason Dixon trail meets the Appalachian trail. And so I go over to that spot a lot because it's just a few minutes away. And um, there's two, there's, there's a, there's a few like evergreen species of, of like herbaceous plants that grow there. Um, so I can go there all winter and kind of hang out with these, these evergreen, you know, um, they're like tiny, um, you know, they're like a couple inches off the ground, um, which is, I, I think is, you know, pretty awesome. So I can go over there and I go off. I, I like to go there in the winter. Um, because these are the, the two plants that I have the closest relationship with. Um, and so it's, it's um, wintergreen and uh, Pipsisua. And I have had so many experiences where I've gone to go sit with one plant and the other plant is like, no, you got to talk to me today. And I kind of get drawn in a different direction. But it's funny because they, they grow right next to each other. They're very similar. Um, and like they're, they're both evergreen. They both have a, like a leathery leaf texture. Um, but if you were to like, I don't know, they, they have very, very different energies. Um, the wintergreen is very like friendly and soft and like, just wants you to like feel good. And, um, it's just like, it's like got a, like a childlike energy and the Pipsisua is just like, Hey, we need to talk, <laughs> you know? So it is, it is, it definitely varies from plant to plant. Um, but it never feels like malevolent or like they are like you're being judged. It just feels like you're being seen. Yes. Yeah. And that the penetrating seeingness of plants can feel, um, uh, uncomfortable. I mean, it has for me to feel so seen and to be Mm -hmm. aware that this plant has been seeing me deeply over a long period of time and knows my patterns and knows how I move in the world, maybe in ways that I'm not even aware that they've been seeing. Mm -hmm. It it can feel like almost like I'm laid bare in a way, Um, which I think is probably good practice feeling Mm -hmm. that. Yeah. And I, I feel like over the years, um, 
it's really helped me grow as a person because I'm starting to get used to that feeling now. Mm-hmm. It's still, it's still uncomfortable because it's still a, it's a catalyst for change, just like any other type of medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, it's a catalyst for change. And so it can be uncomfortable because sometimes that is uncomfortable to change and to, to see where you need to change. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I think, you know, spending that much time with different plants that have so many different messages and so many different ways of showing you like kind of like where you're going wrong and like, you know, where your path needs to, to, to lead and how you need to change. Um, that's what I mean. Like it, it can be very humbling. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I feel like I'm, I'm starting, it doesn't really take me aback like it used to, Yeah. you know, I kind of approach a plant now and I'm just like, well, we'll see how this goes. Um, and it's usually, it's usually a pleasant surprise either way. You know, I, I do appreciate the plants that are um, more forthright sometimes, you know, it's like, sometimes that's just, that's what you need. Yeah. But, and I, I do feel like it's different for every person too. Like some people, because of wherever they are in their lives and wherever they're, whatever medicine they need, um, they might have a slightly different experience with the same plant mm-hmm. and it might feel softer or more difficult depending on where they are and what they're going through. Um, and also what relationship they have with that plant. You know, I feel like there have some been some plants that um, maybe I've, I haven't fully understood or respected or have like trampled, like a couple of times I've like trampled on a plant accidentally and it's changed my relationship with that plant where it's like now it's just kind of shows me these new lessons that come up. Um, so it's still the same, like happy, soft, loving plant. Um, but now I'm like, it, it illuminated something in me that is uncomfortable, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You mentioned being close allies with poke or phytoloca, phytoloca. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, that plant has, is very misunderstood by a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, a lot of different people have a lot of different experiences with that plant or beliefs about that plant. Mm-hmm. How did you come into relationship with Pogue and how do you find Pogue to be in your relationship? Well, so like I, I talked about earlier, um, I, Pogue was growing all over the place as a child. And so it's something that I didn't know what that plant was until I was in herb school. So, I, you know, until I was 20 years old, um, and my, my teacher, Lisa Ganora, um, she, she was the director of the school at the time. And she wrote her, um, she's, she's a biochemist and she wrote her thesis on poke. Um, so she also has a very uh, strong relationship with that plant and a strong affinity for that plant. And I just watched the way that she talked about it and interacted with it. And it was really inspiring to me. Um, and I was excited because I was like, oh, this is a plant that I know already. Cause you know, I, when I entered herb school, I like, I had some experience with herbs and different plants and I've been using herbal medicine for a while, but I felt like compared to everyone there, I didn't know anything. It's like, these people know so many plants and so many herbs and Latin names, and I don't know any of this stuff. Um, so when she brought up this plant that I knew and already had like that relationship with and understood and had torn its berries apart and looked at, you know, every part of it, everything um, and inspected it and like kind of had that already. It was, it was exciting. Um, so yeah, so that, and then just, I tend to have an affinity for plants that are misunderstood or that are toxic or that, you know, people have less healthy relationships with like weeds and stuff. Um, because I, I, I just like have this desire to go and like set the record straight. Like, no, this plant deserves so much more attention and, um, you know, respect. Um, so yeah, with that one particularly, so I, I, so, you know, I dealt with a lot as a child and then I learned about it in school and we learned about, you know, all of the different aspects of it. And then, um, I think it was a few years ago, maybe, well, maybe more than a few years ago now, I reached out to Lisa and I asked her for more information on poke because I was working with a, a horse um, that had a condition called lymphangitis, um, which is a condition that um, I had dealt with previously um, in my teenage years. Um, but I, I knew that poke was a really great lymphatic stimulant. So I was like, okay, I, I don't know enough about this to feel comfortable prescribing this to this very, it was a very large, like a Belgian cross horse. I was like, I don't know how to dose this. I just feel like I need more information. So I reached out to her and she sent me her thesis and I read it. And um, I was just like totally blown away. Like there's just, 
I don't know, there's so much history behind it. Um, and then um, right around the same time, it might've actually been right before that, I was in my, my mom's garden and I was digging up um, around this one bed, trying to clean out that area. And there was a poke plant in there and I'd never dug a poke root before. Um, so I was kind of in that mind frame of like, not really in the harvesting herbalist mind frame of, but I'm just like, I just have to get this task done. But as I was digging this thing out, I don't know if you've, if you've ever dug a poke root, you know what this is all about. I know you have, um, it's, it's serious business. Um, and at the end of this, like 40 minutes of trying to get this thing out with like probably all the wrong tools, um, cause I didn't expect it to be quite that difficult. <laughs> I was just in this state of like, awe. like this plant is just so amazing. And like, how does this thing have such roots like this? Um, and I picked it, I, I finally got it out of the ground and I picked it up and I held it in my hand. And it was like, my fingers were buzzing. It was so intense. Um, yeah, it's like, it was like unexplainable. Like it was just so, so powerful. Um, and that's like, that is how it works in the body. Like I knew that, I knew that from, from book learning and from hearing from my teachers, you know, talk about this and I've used it. Um, but I never had had that experience of like the, the living plant, um, you know, kind of, you know, exuding that energy. Um, so that was kind of, that was actually one of the, the early things in my experiences in my, this journey of, really opening me up to like, I had been communicating with plants and sitting with plants for years, but that was like such a whole new level of communication and so intense and like right in that moment. Um, but yeah, so it's just, there's been like, there's, it just keeps coming. It's one of those medicines that just keeps coming back mm -hmm. over and over again. Um, it doesn't, won't ever let me forget about it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and now I'm to the point where, uh, when I'm walking around somewhere and I see a poke, growing, you know, in a field or something. Um, I see, you know, I see it over in the distance and it's just like, it's like, you know, I, I know you've had this experience. You're just like, you want to like wave to your friend, like, Oh, Hey, how's it going? Yes. You know? And, and that's, that's something that I want everyone to know what that feels like and experience that. Yeah. yeah it comes back to that idea of belonging. Right. We're never alone in the world when we know plants, you know? <laughs> right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Wherever we go, we have friends around. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it definitely does make things feel less lonely for sure. Yeah, you really do feel, and that's that's part that's part of that reintegrating and feeling like you're part of that community again. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's it's a really important thing for people to understand that your community members include so many different parts of of you know the world. Yes. You know, it's not just people, and they're they were like begging for us. They're welcoming us, welcoming us back into their, into their, you know, the realm. Um, they're trying to communicate with us. All the time. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to just bring up one more topic. I know this, mm -hmm. this topic could take us a year to talk about. So <laughs> we'll just see where, where it goes for a couple minutes, but um, I'm keenly aware that the plants of this area um, know no people and no, you know, me and my ancestors. And, you know, we've been here about 300 years in this bioregion. And I'm aware that these plants have relationships, deep, long relationships with the people who were here before my ancestors. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, we have this big conversation going on in the Western uh, consumer herbal marketplace with white sage and the use mm -hmm. of white sage by non-indigenous people. And, um, you know, this is a huge topic, but when you've mentioned ethnobotanical relationships, and this mm -hmm. to me is that is, you know, how do we move an ethnobotanical relationship with plants that have known us? I mean, some of them came with my ancestors, you know, like mm -hmm. we brought Plantago with us and we brought you know, lots of plants with us, but um, we live in bioregions that we're not native to, but we've been here a while. And, you know, how do we navigate these relationships in ways that honor the whole of the community? You know, go ahead. Yeah, it is, that is a very, it's a difficult question to answer. And it's one that I don't have all the answers to. Yeah. Um, and 
it's something that's on my mind a lot, though. I, I do think about that a lot because I do a lot of work in decolonization. And, um, you know, I have both, you know, white European and indigenous heritage that's part of my family. Um, so it's something that I'm constantly grappling with and trying to understand and speaking with other people that, that um, have had that experience. Um, it's not an easy conclusion to come to. Um, I do believe... So, so I guess, to, you know, I, I don't know if it's possible to become indigenous to place. I've studied invasive species enough to know um, how things shift because the only, the only constant in nature is change, right? Mm -hmm. So when plants move into an area, it's very easy for us to go, you know, to be upset about the fact that an ecosystem is changing, especially if it's causing damage. But eventually plants are wiser than we are. <laughs> um, they, they over, sometimes it can be over, you know, things can naturalize quickly. It can happen, you know, over the course of a few months or a couple of years. Other things take thousands or millions of years to become, become where they're no longer considered invasive species, but they're considered naturalized. Um, but that, I, you know, that is something that as process that's been happening on the planet for millions of years, plants are always moving around. People are always moving around. Um, but the issue comes in that we came and we, we colonized and we're still colonizing today. We still are actively participating in that. And so a really big important thing for us to be focusing on is decoloni decolonizing our minds and our, our mindset and our, our worldview, but also being um, not just talking about it, but being active in that, in that process. Um, and so when it comes to like having respect for um, for the, you know, the people whose lands we're occupying, whether those people are still there or, or not, like in our, in our case, you know, on Susquehannock lands, there are no more indigenous, you know, there's no more Susquehannock people here. Um, it's, it's difficult because we can't go to those people and say, how do we, you know, how do we interact respectfully because they, they're not here anymore. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, yeah, it's a difficult, it's a difficult topic to maneuver. But I think the more that we can focus on, and this is part of the reason why I'm so such an advocate for bioregionalism, the more we can focus on being um, in the, those reciprocal relationships where it's a, it's, it's a you know, mutualistic relationship, um, the more we can focus on that and being really good stewards of the land and trying to understand the land in different ways, right? Not just in scientific ways, but in intuitive ways and um, respecting and understanding indigenous knowledge ways, you know, the, their, their epistemology of like um, how they interact and how they're, because we, we tend to, we tend to overvalue or like put that scientific knowledge above you know, in traditional indigenous knowledge. So if we can, if we can stop doing that and find a balance between those things and become stewards of the land and listen to the indigenous voices that we are, we have access to, even if they're not necessarily right in our backyard, um, but that are connected to their own ecosystems. It's, it's a similar message that can be carried across different, different biomes. Um, if we're doing all of that work, then I feel like we are at the very least being respectful of those those plants, those plant ancestors, um, and the people that were their original stewards, and their original, you know, um, the original inhabitants of this area, um, and and that's another reason why I'm so I'm so um, hesitant anymore to like order something that came from another part of the, part of the world, because I'm not I'm not rooted in that. Like, even if it's something that was growing from where my ancestors were from, I'm not there. I'm not rooted in it. I'm rooted here. And so these plants are my, the, as far as the last, you know, few hundred years, at least uh, with my family, um, these plants are my ancestors, whether they're native or not, they're here and they're part of my community. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, yes, it's, it's something, you know, we can talk about, there's so, like you said, there's so many ways we can take this and avenues and it's, it's a very long conversation to be had. Um, you know, it, and I, I think if it's less about focusing on, I don't know, I think that we need to be careful about appropriation, but there's a lot of discussion about appropriation that kind of puts people on um, opposing sides. Um, I really, I do think it's about finding, finding the roots of where you are currently. Mm -hmm. um, and also 
you know, I feel like part of that is, is being responsible for, um, being responsible for the changes that we have incurred as colonists, you know, that, that, um, you know, we need to, I mean, that's, we can get into the whole land back movement and all of that kind of thing, but, um, basically just do your research and find out, find the, the different ways that you can kind of give back, um, and not just to the plants, but to the people, um, that, that, cause there's a, there's a very long and in-depth history, um, of ethnobotany and botany and herbalism that involves stealing and extracting knowledge and information from those indigenous people. Mm-hmm. Um, so we need to, we need to acknowledge that kind of come to peace with it so that we can, we can like kind of heal from that and give back mm-hmm. and make amends. Um, not just for the sake of making amends, but for the sake of moving forward as a society and moving in a positive direction that is going to be a, a sustainable regenerative future, you know, because mm-hmm. we can't continue down the path that we're going on right now. Yeah, we can't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I had a lot of options for herbalism trainings when I decided to take my training deeper. Um, and I'm so glad that I went through your school and your program because your focus was so heavily on relationships and this um, idea of uh, healing our worldview, healing the way we look at the world and and healing the way we see ourselves as humans, as a part of the world, um, the living world that we come up out of and we still are are connected to. Um, I also learned so much in your program about the history of taxonomy and the history of um, you know, just the way we, the scientific method has brought us to this understanding of plants and nature. And, um, so I'm, I'm just so grateful for all that I learned in, in your program, particularly, and you have a, another, uh, program starting up in a few months. Is that right? And it, it, yeah. an online training. Yeah. So it's actually, it's starting in, a, in three weeks. Um, okay or three or four weeks, it's, it's going to begin in January. Okay. Uh, and that is another online program. Um, and I'm also, I'm also hoping to do an in-person program as well. Um, either, you know, sometime next year, um, either, I'm not sure exactly when it would start, but that would, that is a goal of mine because I, I, I enjoy teaching online and I like that, that I can reach lots of people. Um, but as a bioregional herbalist, I'm really excited about you know, working with local people on the local grounds, you know, and, and kind of getting to that point. Um, so yeah, we have, we have that program coming up in January. Um, and then we have um, a bunch of classes that are coming up that are in-person classes that are coming up in the spring um, and early summer that are going to be on the schedule soon. Um, yeah. Great. And people can find all that information on your website. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Northernappalachiaschool.com. Okay. Wonderful. Calix, this has been just what I hoped for this deep um, mining of our relationships with plants and our understanding of who we are as humans. And I'm grateful for you as a teacher. Um, I'm grateful that you're in our community. I'm grateful for your advocacy, um, your fierce advocacy. Uh, It's so needed in the world. Yeah. Thank you. And I'm, I'm also very grateful that you are doing what you're doing and you're getting the message out there to people because um, it's, it's, I think it's very, very important work. Yeah, for sure. We're all doing our part. I really enjoyed talking with Calix today about bioregional herbalism, about our relationship to the plants, to the place that we find ourselves, about our responsibility to make amends to the landscape and to make our impact on the world a positive one. We cannot live on the earth without making an impact, but we can make choices so that the impact we make is as regenerative and as participatory in the whole of the ecosystem as possible. This is something I learned deeply from my time in Calix's school. If you are ready to take your journey with herbalism further and deeper, consider checking out the Northern Appalachia School. They're starting up a program in January that is all online, so you can take it from anywhere. Understanding our relationship to the plants and to the land we live on informs our magic and makes us 
more powerful practitioners in every area of our lives. We understand our belonging to this place. We understand ourselves more deeply when we can see many aspects of ourselves reflected back to us through the landscape. This is the kind of healing that will change the way we live on earth. And this kind of healing is deeply needed now. for joining me for the Plant Witch Podcast. I'm your host, Erin Schrader. I'm an herbalist, a mother, a holistic nurse, and a practitioner of the ancient ways. You can connect with me between episodes at therebelherbalist.com or on Instagram and Facebook, The Rebel Herbalist. Thank you for joining me.